We are the Titans, the mighty, mighty Titans. No, I'm talking about, I know you want to leave me. Oh, that's in the locker room, yeah. To let let you you go. Hey, good people. This is Sharika, EB, and Sabrina. You're listening to The Kickback. Glad you decided to pull up. Welcome to The Kickback. We are so excited that you guys are tuning in. Happy Black History Month. We're going to keep the vibe rolling this month, okay? Have you guys ever seen The Brady Bunch? Uh, yeah. Yes. Yes, that is my vibe. Well, they had this really cute song, not the opening song, another really cute song that was a part of that show that I feel like the pandemic has like led me there. It's called, It's a Sunshine Day. If ever there was a man-made song, it's right up there with the Wyoming, Minnesota, South Dakota vibes, okay? But I don't care. I love that song and it is my vibe today. In the beginning, they're like, I think I'll go for a walk outside now. Summer sun's out, give me rays, I'm happy now. Just can't sit inside all day. That's how I feel. Like I'm in a great mood. Life is going well. I had a beautiful Valentine's Day weekend, just connecting with my spouse. And I'm tired of the pandemic. The summer sun needs to come out. I just can't sit inside all day. I got to get out. (laughs) Give me some of those rays. And we've been really blessed here in the Bay Area with the weather. I saw a great post from a weatherman who was like, this is why the rest of the country hates Florida. Everywhere was 40 or below. and Florida was like 78. Mm-hmm. Ah, so I guess that's my temperature today. 78 sunshine days. We're talking about our weather and you're right. The rest of the country is like, it's cold. It's snowing. I saw a friend of, a, well, not really a friend in real life, but a post of this group I'm in. And, and they were like asking her something. She was like, I'm in Texas. I'm not doing anything right now. Because <laughs> Texas is like, we ain't used to this type of weather. Don't ask us nothing. I know. Going through it. I would say like mid 80s to high 90s, you know, just a cool, calm and collective, as some would say, but definitely in a weed spot. And if it was a song, I would have saying how it is on my end, it would be something that you know, if you want to go listen to it, because I know that's what some of y'all do. Y'all go hit the Googles and you can do as you please. But it's a song by the late, great Nipsey Hussle featuring Jay-Z called What It Feels Like. That's the song where I'm at this week. This is what it feels like. And it's a lot of background history within that song of their upbringing or things that has happened within American history that happened to affect Black people. And it was something that really got me on the, I feel you, I feel you, Jigga. Or hoes, whatever you want to call <laughs> That's them. my friend. That's how I'm feeling, and that's my song. I'm feeling good, and I'm feeling great. Like Sabrina, I came off of a great Valentine's weekend with my husband. Low-key, just what I wanted. Listen, I'm okay with being in the house. And I feel like it's because I feel like I really haven't been in the house during this pandemic. This work has been faithful every day of the week. Praise God, not complaining. And I'm not trying to fight with the crowds at the restaurant. I'm just not doing it. I don't want to be there. Uh, My husband ordered in and I was grateful. And you know, y'all, I don't know if y'all do know, I've been on this keto and I gave myself a keto break, okay? And I thoroughly enjoyed my Valentine's dinner and dessert. And so I'm trying to get back on to the program though. And that part sucks. Trying to get back off of the carbs after you had a, a little taste of the carbs sucks. I remember Sabrina talked about that song, I'm Feeling Good, I'm Feeling Great. That's my energy. And the temp for me is definitely a good 85, but I'm about to join you northerners in the cold come the end of this weekend. Pray for you, girl, because I've been in Florida for a good while. And I was even thinking, do I even have the proper shoes for a cold situation? I'm going to get my little taste of it too. So I guess I can't really brag too much because I'm about to hit that energy real cold and real soon. All right. I wanted to introduce you to Miss May Carol Jemson. She is an American engineer, physician, and a former NASA astronaut. She became the first Black woman to travel into space when she served as a mission specialist aboard the Space Shuttle Endeavor. She joined NASA in 1987 and was selected to serve in the ST. 
STS-47 mission, during which she orbited the Earth for nearly eight days in 1992. 1987 was not that long ago. Not to put my brother's business out, that was the year my brother was born. She's only 65 years old. A lot of these historical moments were not that long ago. They were in, well, obviously I was born in the 50s, but a lot of these moments happened in our lifetime. And we're still having these historical moments where people are the first Black this and the first Black that. So while we recognize the historical moments that happened, you know, many, many years ago before we were alive, maybe even before our parents were alive, a lot of these moments are still happening in today's time. I did wanted to recognize Miss May as the first African-American woman to enter into our space. That is our invite today. Shout out to Mae Jemison. Like one, just knowing that outside of being an astronaut, she was a physicist and basically a scientist. Mm -hmm. Like those stuff that I wouldn't even be able to wrap my head around just because that's just not my thing. Not at all. So not only knowing the barriers that she had to face as a person of African descent, but the barriers she had to face as a woman during that time. And just that challenge of being the best at what you are, like, or what your craft is and exercising that to the best of your ability is definitely, definitely kudos. And if I'm not mistaken, I might be wrong on this part, but I think she resides in Georgia now. Yes. Okay, it's just been weird, because as you say, like, that's not too long ago, but seeing even what we know as, of course, celebrities or stars connecting with her when they're in Atlanta mm -hmm. just to have a sit-down conversation, that's, like, dope. I remember looking up to her, like, when I was in kindergarten, which is crazy, and thinking, I want to be an astronaut, but I have a fear of heights, so it just wasn't going to be for me. I can barely get on a roller coaster. But something else that I love about her is how she was such an advocate for the arts too. And one of my favorite quotes by her is when she says, when I think about the arts and physical sciences, I think they're both a part of creativity. And she's so mm. right. I don't know if you guys know this, but she was also a member of Alvin Ailey, which is- a Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, she was a member of Alvin Ailey and a dancer. And you can tell if you've ever seen a picture. Yeah. I mean, she just mm -hmm. had that regal, um, gracefulness about her and I can tell why she went to the stars because she's just great I love her <laughs> and I wish we could have her at the kickback I'm so glad you invited her I know and like it is cool that somebody who did so much is still alive and like you were saying Evie people are still connecting with her a lot of our heroes of the past is like man I wish I could talk to this person I wish I knew their experiences and things like that but yeah, it's cool that she's with us and she's still over here doing great things. And she's such an advocate for, you know, so many different things. We just give you a snippet because we want to be with you all, but we don't need to be here all day and night. But we do encourage you all to go and learn more about these people because a lot of them have wonderful, great, inspiring stories. So go on and check her out some more. So we're talking about Black History Month. We've talked a little bit about different people. Today, we're going to dive in a little bit deeper. There have been controversies for, I don't know, probably as long as there's ever been a Black History Month. And do you guys feel like Black History Month is important? Should it be taught in schools or should it just be part of history? Or is it specifically we got to separate it out and have a Black History Month? They can do whatever they want because <laughs> my Black History is going to be all 12 of these months. You just probably just going to get more okay. energy this month of February. Like, cause I know some people are like, why do we have this? Da, 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 da. But I'll contribute that to, you know, people like Dr. Woodson who celebrated this during Negro week or whatnot. So it wasn't like a thing mm -hmm. that was quote unquote given to us. It was us saying, this is what we're doing, whether y'all like it or not. Mm -hmm. And then what typically happens when people start doing for their own at times, not all the time, but for some people, when they start doing for their own, people recognize that and they just want to be a part of it so bad. And that's why sometimes you hear people say, no, don't let them mm -hmm. in or no, don't let them be a part of this. Let us have our own thing because it's a sense of ownership. And when other people become involved in it, it becomes tainted, so to speak. And that's why you will see it being restricted to what we see as this one month. But I see Black history as American history. I see Black history as history. And it is definitely something that I would say I support. And it's something that should be taught. We've already seen in years where history has already been lost or the substance of heritage mm -hmm. and culture has been misplaced by a select few. Like when you read things like, you know, slaves were brought to America. And then I've seen a teacher on her door as teachers are decorated where it says, please remind students that slaves were not brought to America. It was 
teachers, mothers, parents, daughters, da da da, da transported to America to become slaves. Like these people weren't slaves on the continent of Africa. Mm. They were everyday people. And then they came here to be slaves. So it, it's not like you brought slaves over here. That's not what they were. They didn't know what they were in a sense mm-hmm. coming to. Um, you chained mm-hmm. them up. You shackled them and brought them to that. I think it's definitely something you should talk about so that the history or the heritage isn't lost by a select few who wants to do, I guess, evil in this or continue to do evil in this world because evil has always been here. Shout out to Adam and Eve for that. Well, one, it's necessary because our history wasn't shared. We weren't in the books and the narrative was not the truth. It was like, well, what makes the people who are writing books, what makes their ancestors feel comfortable? What makes them look good in a better light? So I think it's definitely beneficial. And I think it is important because it's like people weren't taught Black history. And what they did hear about Black people were that they all were only slaves. And that it was basically like they didn't have any other skills, talents, education or anything like that. And so I think it is definitely important. And I would love for it to just be a part of the history, not to necessarily say we don't need Black History Month anymore. But like Evie was saying, like, I just wanted to, we're just a part of history. We should just be in the book. If it wasn't for us wanting to tell our own stories or bring light to those of us who have worked hard and who have made great achievements, no one would ever know. And those stories would be lost. Exactly. When I think about the fact that Black History month started as a week because he was like literally we're not getting our due credit for anything so y'all don't want to shout it out y'all don't want to talk about what it is fine we'll do it ourselves and then expand it to a month and then other countries jumped on the bandwagon they absolutely had to and I think it absolutely needs to be a thing it's unfortunate that it's the shortest month but you know what we'll take it and to people who say well it just needs to be a part of everything and when you separate it out you're making it you know, the situation worse. No. To them, I'll say, well, why do we do Christmas? We know all year long, baby Jesus came. Why do we do Easter? We know all year long, he rose from the grave. Why do we do Valentine's Day? Why do we celebrate your birthday? Because sometimes it's good to just turn an eye and shine a light on something that needs to be remembered. It's good to hype it up. So in my Mm -hmm. house, what does the scripture say? As for me in my house, I don't care what these public school curriculums, because I don't trust it. I've been reading stories across the country where some people, a teacher, I can't even get into it. Florida has the craziest people. That's all I have to say. I will make sure from the jump that any little child or baby niece, nephew, cousin that comes through this house is going to know all of the history and the black history, Mm -hmm. like Sharika said, slavery is a part of that, but there's more to it. And if anything, when people try to shame me for my past, I came from slave. If anything, I'm like, I'm one of the survivors and you should be afraid of me because if all my ancestors went through that and I'm still here and I'm thriving, hmm, okay. (laughs) What's your ancestors go through to get you to this point? There's another scripture that says, I know whether rich or poor, hungry, well-fed, I'm gonna know what's up. And the little quote from the tennis player that Evie and Sharika talked about a couple of months ago on the podcast, what she say about her ancestors, when I think of what my ancestors accomplished, I know I cannot lose. So yeah, mm. I don't have any shame in talking about that part of our history, but there's so much more in not just African-American history or Black American history, because not all of us are from the continent of Africa. When I think about it just on an international stage, it's such a rich and beautiful history. Let's talk mm. about it. Let's hype it up. I'm all for it, Sharika. And there's a lot of cultures who celebrate their history. People don't seem to have a problem with that. Sure they don't no, have I a problem with that. A couple of years ago, I posted on my work social media that, hey, happy Black History Month. This month, I'll be highlighting Black performing artists because I'm in the arts field. And someone commented and they were like, I don't love Jesus and blah, blah, blah. And I know had I wrote Happy Cinco de Mayo, I wouldn't have gotten any of the smoke or the energy. And that person needs to ask themselves why. I still did my 28 days of history and I know they were hot. (laughs) It's like, what a binge. It goes back to Maya Angelou's poem. Do you want to see me broken, bowed head, lowered eyes, shoulders falling down like teardrops weakened by my Yes, yes they do. Does my sassiness upset you because I walk like I've got diamonds at the meeting of my thighs? My girl, she was on it. She said, you know what you don't want? Black joy. You know what you don't want? Black girl magic. But you know what you're going to get? You're going to get it all. <laughs> I, that's another thing that I'm like, okay, February, come through. Because there are people who literally see that seeing us 
have pride in who we are. You know, it goes back to the whole debate, Black Lives Matter, all lives matter. It doesn't mean we don't matter. It, we have consistently gotten messages that we should not be mm-hmm. happy to be Black, that it's kind of a bad thing. It's kind of an unfortunate thing. Oh, your skin is dark. Oh, your hair is nappy. Oh, your ancestors may or may have not have been slaves. Oh, your people are poor and ghetto and don't speak proper mm-hmm. English. Oh, y'all are loud. Oh, y'all eat fried chicken. Guess what? Who doesn't eat fried chicken? I don't know a single person. And the watermelon. Unless they're, unless they're vegetarian. <laughs> it's like, if you put some fried chicken in front of them, like, oh no, that's, you know, that's for the black. So it's just all of that energy that makes me feel even more like, I love that God created diversity. I love it. And I love being brown. The only thing I don't like is the energy I've gotten from other people. But me and of myself, I, I have no problems with it. Didn't even know I was black until third grade when those other racist kids let me know <laughs> very quickly. They're like, oh, no, 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 no. You're black. <laughs> so, wow. Shout out to our history. I love that we had the month and I think it should definitely stay. But like Evie said, whether it stays or not, we're going to be on it. Okay. Do you feel like learning about our history is beneficial for our future and like where we need to go? Yeah, definitely. The first thing that comes to mind for me is that you have to know the past to shape the future. Because mm. if not, you will hit a quick circle back of, oh, this didn't happen before. I get to recognize things that has happened. Like, well, they act this way because of this, but this is not going to happen to me, or I won't allow Mm. this to happen to me. For example, within American history, right? We know about how slavery impacted what we see today and how that shifted into what we see as slave patrols after they were quote unquote free, which led into Jim Crow and segregation, and now it leads to mass incarceration of definitely black and brown people. But then say as a Haitian American or a person from Haitian descent or African descent through Haiti, I think of just the, them being the first black independent country by a successful slave revolt, where that was something that they had to make happen. And it was just like, I'm willing to sacrifice myself for the sake of these other people, not knowing what the outcome would be, because none of us ever know what the outcome would be. And then the same thing, I think of people like a Harriet Tubman. Like right now, it's people who are free, free as in like they can kind of do what they want, say what they want at work or live a good life, so to speak, not really worry about consequences as much. But they will not be willing to speak up for the sake of others because they're Mm. worried about their own reputation. And for me, that's mind boggling and frustrating to me, mainly for people who consider themselves believers or individuals of the faith. Because then I can just always try to revert things back to Christ, that a person who sat on his high throne in a mansion or on the streets of gold, having people sing holy, holy, holy in the sense of worship and adoration to him, decided to come down and live on this earth. Like if we think today is bad and we know it's bad because we have to live in it every day. This man really had to see all of this stuff after being in heaven. So it's like I need to know what happened back then so this don't happen again moving forward. Or when something similar to that does happen, I can hold people accountable. I can call people out. I can try to shift my environment or my circle or my small tribe. And hopefully that they're making the influence within their small circles or within their tribe. If not, you're just going to go through the motions of life. And before you know it, you're repeating the same thing. Because you hear people say history repeats itself. I'm going to tell you straight up, I just can't see slavery repeating itself on me. Like you just going to have to crucify your boy. I know Jesus and I know where I'm going. Even at work this week, we talked about getting disciplined or as some would call it abuse from our parents, you know, and like, that was enough for me. So like, I always (laughs) tell people, even for myself, it's like, bro, like, and my mama passed away, but it's like, bro, my mama and daddy don't even talk to me like that. You think I'm going to let you talk to me like that as an adult? No, that's not going to happen. Like when I was a kid, I had no choice because I was under they, they roof, they rules. But now you disrespect your boy. You just gonna have a different conversation. It's like it shape or gives me something to aspire to the persistence, the perseverance, the fight that our people had to endure, but also that they, some of them took on willingly for others. And it's like, when you want to cower or whatever, like Sabrina said, how can I, when you know what people have done on your behalf, the sacrifices that were made, like, yes, it is absolutely beneficial to my future because that is what gave me a future. And the thing about history and studying history and knowing history is that it enables us to develop a better understanding in the world in which we live. So we have this greater appreciation for current events and a greater appreciation for who we are and our potential. So if you're cutting out a person's entire history, you're writing a narrative and a story for them. And for some people, 
that creates their ceiling, right? So mm. not knowing your history or history in general can really just create a false narrative, a false sense of your potential. There's a reason why it's so important to learn mm -hmm. our history and to answer your question, just like the excitement you get when you learn your family history. Doug was looking up his last name, Kemper, which is, you know, my last name too. And we found out we got some farmers up in the game. So we're like, let's try out our green thumb. Well, listen, no, they were Kemp farmers. When we looked that up, it was definitely the weed. And I was like, okay, so I'm not on that. But <laughs> I was like, oh no, not Dougie. <laughs> but, you know, just- Y'all are a different type of herbs. <laughs> yeah, we're on a different type of herb. <laughs> it's just, and that's funny. And it's fun to just learn about that sort of thing. It, it's almost something that I can't describe. It's like when we were watching that show that Edie suggested Roots. Like even I was deeply moved hearing about people I don't even know, watching them learn about their family history, learning what their father or great grandmother did, learning that this uncle died in battle and was a fighter. Like it just creates this little spark of joy and hope in you. Kind of like the Old Testament does for us. Like that is the history of our faith. Mm. It just makes where we're going in the future mean even more. If we didn't have the Old Testament and it was just like, oh yeah, you know, this person's come with, we appreciate it in the same way, knowing like from the very beginning, God was pursuing us like mad hard, right? And he was gonna make sure that there was gonna be a way even when it came to his own death, right? On a cross. So history is very important. We know black history has not always looked pretty. It has not been, oh, look, we've had all these opportunities and all that stuff. But what about the struggle or maybe not the struggle? What about our history requires you? Still I rise. Okay. Sorry to just be on Maya. There are other great poets out there, but yeah. she's just one that I know like that, you know? So I go back to her words in Still I Rise because yes, those terrible things happen. But you think about the fact that these people, like Evie was saying, who survived going across the ocean and this won't know cruise line, okay? We're not okay. talking, not even the Caribbean <laughs> cruise line in terrible conditions with sickness and filth and waste, going to a country where they didn't speak the language not only of their oppressors, but of their peers. Like me, you, Sharika, EB, we're all together. We don't even speak the same language. And still they were able to revolt. Still they were able to become free. Still they were able to really mm. contribute to American history in a lot of positive ways. To me, that says, okay, we got resilience. We got what I was telling Sharika about her. We got tenacity. We had true grit because out of the huts of history, shame, I rise up from a past that's rooted in pain. I rise. I'm a black ocean leaping and wide, welling and swelling. I bear in the tide, leaving behind nights of terror and fear. I rise into a daybreak that's wondrously clear, bringing the gifts that my ancestors gave, I am the dream and the hope of a slave. So that is inspiring to me. Mm. Like we mm. are the gifts of our ancestors. They fought and they lived and they survived like E.B. was saying. I don't know that I would have survived. I popped too much off at the mouth. I push back against authority when I don't agree. I'm not, I'm not a very good soldier, but there are times that you have to deal with certain things so that you can go further. And I don't know that I would have had that maturity or that insight. So that inspires me that my ancestors did what they had to do to survive so that I could survive. Similar to everything that Sabrina just alluded to, to quote by Dr. Eric Thomas as he's speaking to a group of high school students. And of course, because of his sense of passion and energy, he does a way better job than me. It basically says that you take everything from us, everything from a group of people, and we still survive. You want to tell mm. me that you don't want to learn how to write? Have you lost your mind? We are survivors. That is all we do is survive. Talking to these high school students, he's saying, look at your history, look at your lineage, look where you come from. The things that people before you had to sacrifice is part of the fruit that you get to enjoy today. Mm -hmm. like you don't have to deal with what they had to deal with. So that's definitely something that inspires me. 
And that pushes me to move the needle forward for my own family. Like I come from a, a large family and I come from a whole bunch of nieces and nephews. But to say that I'm the first one to graduate college, yeah, for me, because I was there studying and working hard. But more so, even as I furthered my education and got my master's degree, it was like my niece and nephews at least have to get their bachelor's. And it's not just like, oh, get this education or get this because you have to do something that you're interested in or something that you have passionate about. But for those who see that they want to have some form of a career long term and education is part of that career because you don't have to get an education for every career you have just throw that out there for some you definitely do and it's one of those things of like push this forward and one of our listeners and one of our favorite people for our three of us jan mcmahon always tells me like one thing that people can never take away from you is your education like the Mm -hmm. things you learn on your own or the things that you learn within an institution like that's something that people can't take away from you So that's definitely part of that thing that inspires me is everything that has come before me and the sacrifices that were made. And I know we said it over and over again already this episode, but it wasn't that long ago. Mm -hmm. And that's the part that's frightening to me at times that inspires me to make sure I'm a voice. I'm an advocate. I'm a man of my word. I'm trying to be as active as possible with encouraging, supporting being the boots on the ground to make sure things are good. Like what Sabrina was saying, it's just the resilience of our people. It's like, and like Evie was saying with his quotes, like, how dare we not, how dare we not try? How dare we not go for whatever we got to go for? How dare we not stand on our 10 toes of whatever it is that we got our faith and believe in? Because it's like people that came before us, they literally died like Sabrina was saying, so we could have a chance. Think about our culture that is so self-focused and so much about what I can get. That What a luxury, what a privilege, because it wasn't about what they could do. It was like, I need to provide for the next. I need to stay alive to protect my children. I need to, you know, try to provide a future, get free or whatever it was within the realm of their lives that they were able to do whatever they could do to just be able to preserve the next generation, their children their children's children. And like, I love that the quote Sabrina said, I am the dream or hope of my, of the slave. Like they can't even imagine where we are right now, but they did whatever they could so that we could have a future. So as we talk about people mm-hmm. who lived it, or I would say lived it because we're living it in different ways today. But those who experienced a lot of the other stuff, I just go back to fall of 2008 when Obama was elected and you're seeing mm. these people who mm. were breaking down in tears as they live through either the 40s, 50s, or 60s, because it's not something that they envisioned could ever be even possible within their lifetime. And of course, Mm. it didn't even change in that January in the inauguration, how they were like, this really just happened. Like Mm -hmm. the same individuals who couldn't even go to school with a different race, who got dogs sick on them. Mm -hmm. And that's probably another reason why I'm I'm scared of dogs outside of being allergic to them. But that's a different story. We're not gonna get onto that. Taking that stance or that challenge of going into sit-ins. Like I like to think at times I'm a brave person or have a sense of bravery, but I think of those individuals, I'm not sure if I could do that today. And I say that mm-hmm. in the, the best way, like right now, like you gotta think these people knew the clan was like around them. And I know we have our own different or triggers where we see certain things or see certain people, but I'm like, if you told me that it was a clan rally happening in downtown St. Pete, it's a good chance your boy's not going down there. But mm. you have stories of the late, great Dr. Martin Luther King or the late, great Congressman John Lewis, where these people stood toe to toe with the Klan, having conversations or engaging them of like, why do you hate me? Like, I'm your fellow brother and sister. Like, what is going on? Like, what's the thing beneath the thing that this is what's causing you to hate me? I'm not sure if I'm at that place yet. And it's easy to say, oh, yeah, that you would be or oh, you've got to take that leap of faith or well, God, yeah, all that sounds great. But for me, it was like, how do I avoid those type of people? Now, when I see you in person, I'm not going to run. That's definitely something that I probably wouldn't do. I run from a pet before I run from a human being. Like, I can, <laughs> that's different. But I would not go to where I know those people are at. In art, literally, you're talking about 60, 70, 80 years ago, through the 40s and the 60s, especially, these people engage those spaces. That's in my DNA because that's like our people. And so that's definitely something else that's very, very inspirational. When you talk about sit-ins and stuff, I was thinking about my mother-in-law who's told me about when she was growing up in times of like 
you know, segregation and all that stuff. They did a sit-in at her college. And I was just like, wow, these ain't people that's my great-great-great-grandma know. That's crazy. What movie with a story about our history, like, have you guys enjoyed or loved? <laughs> all I know is Django and Chain was another level. <laughs> Now, I will say, I mainly think of movies that it's not so much that I didn't love Mm -hmm. them, but I was just like, oh, not another slave movie. That's all we saw in school. And Mm -hmm. it just created an awkward vibe in the classroom, seeing like your reflection on TV getting B or Ray. Mm. Like we saw Roots, Uncle Tom's Cabin, all the things that uh, I was just joking about Django and Chang. Although it, it did give me joy to see, you know. See, the, the script flipped a little bit. See, the other people get beat for a little mm. <laughs> Yeah, maybe I shouldn't have spoke first because I'm trying now. I'm like at a lot. I'll go first. All right, go ahead. And listen, guys, here's a moment of truth for me. I don't do well with the beating, the killing, the lynching, and all the things. Obviously, nobody does. For movies and things like that, I tend to err on more lighthearted type things, but two movies that I will say that I love that talk about our history more on the lighter side of things, 42 and Hidden Figures. 42 is the story of Jackie Robinson, Rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman. This is before I even knew him like that. But I remember watching that movie. I'm like, this movie is so good. But just to see the barriers that he broke down, Jackie Robinson to join baseball and all that stuff and hidden figures, the women that stood behind NASA and all that stuff. Both of those movies just showed me too, like some of the greatness of our people. So those are two movies that I think really inspired me. And I love the stories and the depiction of our people. E.B. alluded to this one earlier and like I said, there are a lot of great movies, even some of the movies that I would say show like black trauma. And it's totally mm-hmm. fair, Sharika, to be like, I can't watch that over and over again. And it's hard, especially when a lot of times on screen, those are the stories that are told the loudest. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, I know we got some other type of <laughs> things going on in life. All right. I, I don't know if it's because I was old enough to appreciate this movie or what, but for me, the way that the butler put the civil rights movement Mm. on screen was incredibly inspiring, incredibly moving. I've heard my parents talk about it. I think about my dad all the time who had not one, but two brothers killed by the KKK in Enfield, North Carolina. He was born in 54. He's still alive and well. He knows all about it, grew up sharecropping. And I hear that growing up and it's kind of like, I don't know, it kind of fell on deaf ears. I went to a school that was black and white. I just was living my life. I really didn't understand racism until, you know, I moved to Kentucky when I was older. But in that movie, I saw what my parents were trying to tell me about how things were. I saw the different levels of the fight because everybody fights differently. The butler was just as much a part of the fight, the way he carried himself and held that job and spoke and in that atmosphere, that's something I feel like I can sit down with my kids and it won't be like as traumatic as some of the other things, mm-hmm. but I like it. I feel like I might have stole EB's because I saw EB. I know, he was like, he was. So EB, please tell us, what are your moves? No, you're good. That definitely was one of them. And part of it was, you know, just for, for anybody, because I know for us, right, we hear a lot of times of Gen Xers and millennials and definitely with Gen Z, the generation that comes after millennials, it's like, they can't keep a job. They can't do this. They can't deal with the confrontation or the adversity that comes in the workplace. And in the Butler, Force Whitaker, you're talking about almost three decades of working in a place that for some people would be very, very toxic because you would see some of the stuff that comes out or the voices that you hear and you being one of the only people in that, like, because he had like a close knit relationship with these different administrations. And it might have been two and a half, but I think it was three decades that he worked there. So that was definitely one of them. Then you have, of course, the color purple. That's like just solid, legit. (laughs) (laughs) That movie was traumatizing to me too. (laughs) It was. And and that's one thing that I also noticed. A lot of our movies, outside of our own personal experiences, I think a lot of the movies that we gravitate to have also instilled a sense of trauma within us where we think that that's normal because that's what's been presented to us via the media. And then the other two is from... I would say my second favorite actor, but one of my favorite actors is, is in it. Glory, of course. And then Remember the Titans, of course, with Denzel Washington. Oh, yes. You're seeing 
again, what I like to call, and I'm stealing this from one of my people, shout out to Steve Carter. He listens from time to time, or at least he texts me about certain stuff. He talked to me about something just actually two days ago, just this holy tension. And that's what I think mm. I saw within Remember the Titans, where you have this coach come in and just like, no, I don't want to take his job. But I have kind of no choice because I have to feed my family and I got to do what's best. And bringing these two different groups of people together, taking them to a camp where they never experienced this type of setting of being away from family with the other race, highly, I guess you say, encouraging or forcing them to communicate with one another. And I say holy tension because it's sometimes we don't even want to do that in the church where you don't even mm. want to converse with the other side. But we saw this from a group of kids in high school from a football coach who pushed this. And then we saw, of course, it's because here's the spoiler alert. Um, they win the championship. But even part of that, you have these referees who are, in a sense, cheating for the coach, the African-American coach, Denzel Washington, in this case, to lose the game. But then the other coach, Coach uh, Coach Yotes, Bill Yotes, comes in and is just like, no, we can't do that. I'm going to take myself down and I'm going to take all of you down if you allow this happen. And it's like, you know you won't get into the Hall of Fame mm. where like that recognition or that accolade, that doesn't even matter right now. I'm caring mm. about these boys who became family to me or who are like sons to me. And I need you as a referee to do the right thing. So that's definitely mm. one of the movies that's on my top list when I think of things that have impacted me and just show me a different perspective of what it's like to have holy tension with the other side. I got to watch The Butler. I have not seen The Butler. Oh my goodness, we should watch it together. It's it's And I've never seen Glory or the Remember the Titans. I watch Remember the Titans with you. I've not seen Glory either, but... You shouldn't say that out loud, Sabrina. What? I you shouldn't? Glory, what? I no, no, no. You can't take my black card. I've seen the color purple, okay? I'm not telling I you. I haven't seen it. I'm Girl, not ta- it's not. I would say Sharika watched the color purple and the butler, but Sabrina definitely. I don't know if I could do the why does she have to watch the color Evie? purple, Evie? Tell me why she has to watch. I still don't know why I had to watch. I know it's just a part of our culture, but why? That's why? why? What inspired you about the color purple? purple homegirl is mistreated and that's part of what still goes on today so for you to know the past that what helps you shape the future we hear the quote all the time the most disrespectful person in america is the black woman and i don't need to see that i experienced that exactly i experienced that i will say yes sharika watch the butler but if you watch the color purple you're on your own i'm just trying to <laughs> that's one if my kids see it it'll be on their own i just Ugh. There's a scene at the end between two family members that me and my sister will send each other gifts of that and blah, blah, blah. And that part. I is- know. I, I kind of know the story of the color purple. And I know the little hand clapping situation. Yeah, I know she's been separated from her sister. I know the one had an abusive husband. And I know enough to know that I don't know if I want to see this. It's a black on black crime for me. (laughs) Although I hate when people use the term black on black crime because I'm like, when other people have crime against each other, you don't hear people saying white on white crime, Asian on Asian. But in that movie, I don't care. I'm a hypocrite. I'm going to go against myself and say it was a black on black crime for me. But I would say definitely watch Remember the Titans. I always tell people just never watch it with me because I can tell you every line from start to finish. It's hard (laughs) for me not to say the lines as I'm watching the movie. Like I literally would be locked in. They came out sliding. I thought it was a football movie. It is. It is. You got to warm up. You get ready. You know black people got to sing and dance too. We are the Titans, the mighty, (laughs) mighty Titans. No, I'm talking about... I know you want to leave me. Oh, that's in the locker room. Yeah. To let let you you go. Once again, another example of even in the face of adversity, you know what we're going to do? Have fun. (laughs) Exactly. Gave them them other boys some culture. They didn't know what was going on. Okay. Hit them with that slot. Yep. Shout out your favorite typical Black History Month, or maybe not typical, one of our people that we normally celebrate or one person that you feel like we should celebrate <laughs> somebody who is always celebrated a typical name that i feel deserves every bit of energy we've quoted her several times today it's maya angelo for me my favorite quote mm-hmm. which is on my email is the desire to reach for the stars is ambitious the desire mm-hmm. to reach hearts is wise as someone mm-hmm. in the performing arts field 
even in college when I would say, yeah, I want to be an educator. I want to be a teacher or director. I got so much heat. Like, why? How come you don't want to go to Hollywood? You should move to New York. You should move to LA. What's wrong with wanting to be a teacher? What's wrong with wanting to mm. read hearts? Like, there's nothing wrong with ambition. My ambition is just different. I want to impact souls and especially impact souls for the kingdom of God. So the fact that she said that, I just feel like we would have been on the same like wavelength, the same energy. She's somebody mm -hmm. who overcame a lot of adversity in her life. And she just had a way with words. Even at my wedding, I had one of her poems recited. And she's just, she's always going to be my girl. So it's Maya Angelou for me. Before we, I get into my personal, I'll say it's interesting because actually even for my email, I guess signature, I got a Maya Angelou quote which says, it is time for parents to teach that their young people early on that it is beauty in diversity and in strength. So just she always been on a sense of how do we unify mm -hmm people together and how do we make the most out of our differences and maximize that to the best of our ability. But I would say my person is definitely Robert Smalls. He's from South Carolina. Think about how brave you would have had to been to say, I'm about to hop on a boat with my peoples, right? Because they brought us here on a boat and I'm going to sail away in a sense to freedom. And so just being in the South during that time and later becoming a house of representative like talk about full circle and getting yourself known and basically sailed away from slavery and became a free man. And I won't go into all his mm -hmm. stuff because I would hope that you would dive into his background, but Robert E. Smalls, like that is somebody who I think needs to be talked about more. And I know why we don't within our country, because we don't like the stories of people who revolt and stand up for themselves. And that's why you hear a lot of the stories of the MLKs and not about Malcolm X. Because it's kind of like, mm. who's going to be civil disobedient in the way that we want them to be civil disobedient? It's kind of what we see today in our country, where the same people who chastised, degraded, demeaned, whatever way you want to call it, Colin Kaepernick for kneeling during the national anthem, did not keep that same energy with the same terrorists who raided the Capitol, killed the police officer, and degraded and demeaned flag all throughout the Capitol. And it's because that's not the type of civil disobedience that they want. It's like, if it doesn't affect us as a race, then it's not a big deal. Like what people outside the world do, and I'm saying outside the world who don't know Christ, it's my job to try to connect with them as best as possible. But my frustrations come a lot of times when it's people in the church or people who consider mm, themselves part of the that. church, because I know we, we all know the scripture, right? When Jesus is going to hit them with the depart from me, I never knew you. So I know it's some people who are going to think that they're good and they're not going to be good. That's why I always tell people at my funeral or any funeral you've been to within my family, whether it was my brother, whether it was my mom, whether it was a few cousins, we always told the pastor that God knows where this person is at, but we can't just say they in a better place. And I know my mama knew Jesus, but I don't know how she was when she was dealing with that cancer. I don't know where her faith lied because it was at times where she was on one side and another side, it was like, F everything that's going on right now. And, you know, it was hard for me to even see that because that's not the person that raised me. Now, I wish and I hope that that's where she at, because that's where I hope and wish that I'm going to be at. But you just don't know. And we need to just stop saying that. Shout out to Robert oh, no. E. Smalls. Let's get back to that. And <laughs> no, Evie, you come with the Trump energy talking about something they might be looking up. I don't know. <laughs> no, no. You just never know, man. Like, you never know where people at. Like, God knows that. And that's his job, not mine. That's true. Okay, for me... It is definitely Bessie Coleman, the whole flying of the airplane situation. EB shared a little bit about her that really sparked my intrigue with her. The fact that because she couldn't fly in America, sis moved to France, learned French so she could become a pilot because that's how much she loved it. That perseverance to follow your dreams, like, oh, you can't do that here. Oh, well, I know where I can do it and I'll go there and I'll learn their language and I'll do it there. So that energy for me, Bessie, shout out to you, sis, way to go. Today, we're going back to look at the impact that Onesimus had on American society. The news was terrifying to colonists in Massachusetts. Smallpox had made its way to Boston and was spreading rapidly. The first victims, Passengers on a ship from the Caribbean were shut up in a house identified only by a red flag that read, God have mercy on this house. Meanwhile, hundreds of residents of this bustling colonial town had started to flee for their lives, terrified of what might happen if they exposed themselves to the frequently deadly disease. It was pretty much like Corona on steroids. Few details are known about the birth of Onesimus. 
but it is assumed he was born in Africa in the late 17th century before eventually landing in Boston. One of a thousand people of African descent living in the Massachusetts colony, Onesimus was a gift to a Puritan church minister named, of all names, Cotton. <laughs> Cotton Mather from his congregation in 1706. Mather didn't trust Onesimus. He wrote about having to watch him carefully due to what he thought was thievish behavior and recorded in his diary that Onesimus was wicked and useless. Let's put a pause here. How are you going to be the pastor who got a slave as a gift from a whole nother country and you have the nerve to be like, mm, he doesn't seem trustworthy. I wonder why. I wonder why the projection was real. Anyway, in 1716, Onesimus told Mather something he did not believe, which was that he knew how to prevent smallpox. Onesimus told Mather about the centuries-old tradition of inoculations practiced in Africa. Mather wrote that Onesimus was a pretty intelligent fellow. So when he told him that he had smallpox and then he hadn't, he was curious. And Onesimus said he had undergone this operation which had given him something of the smallpox and would forever preserve him from it. So whoever had the courage to use it was free of the fear of being contaminated with it. By extracting the material from an infected person and scratching it into the skin of an uninfected person, you could deliberately introduce smallpox to the healthy individual, making them immune. Cotton Mather convinced a doctor to experiment with that procedure when the smallpox epidemic hit Boston in 1721 and over 240 people were inoculated. But this was opposed politically, religiously, and medically in the U.S. and abroad. So the public reaction to this experiment put their lives in danger, despite records indicating that only 2% of patients requesting inoculation die compared to the 15% of people not inoculated. Onesimus's traditional African practice was used to inoculate American soldiers during the Revolutionary War and introduced the concept of inoculation to the U.S. in general. Did he live to see the success of the technique he introduced to Mather? That isn't clear. Nothing is known of his later life other than that he partially purchased his freedom. What is clear is that the knowledge he passed on saved hundreds of lives. In 1980, the World Health Organization, known as WHO, declared smallpox entirely eradicated due to the spread of immunizations worldwide. It remains the only infectious disease to have been entirely wiped out. Shout out to him. Shout out to not being selfish with the information. And this is just another thing that's so inspiring. Even in his position as a slave, he was still trying to make and did make the world a better place. Ooh, definitely. That was full. Definitely interesting. Something that I didn't know too much about. Definitely going to dig into that. So shout out yeah. to you for bringing that to our attention, Sabrina. And I know you're always dropping in the show notes as well. So I'm definitely checking that out to, I guess you could say, dig deeper. Mm -hmm. It's funny. People call you untrustworthy when they're the one who is <laughs> untrustworthy. <laughs> the world we live in. I'm going to dive into what I'm expounding on today. That was a deep sigh, because what I'm expounding on today is not necessarily for, I guess it, it, it's never really for entertainment or enjoyment, but I know some of it definitely brings laughs because this was like something I didn't know. At least it makes me laugh. And most times that's all that matters. But I hope at times you've been able to chuckle along with me as well. But today it's a little different and actually a bit saddening. Sharika, Sabrina, when it's too cold outside, what do you do? I as an adult, I turn on the heat. As a kid, unless our breath was showing, it was you <laughs> layer up. So that's socks, a robe, a blanket or two. Me and my brother fighting over who's gonna be. The vents used to be on the floor, so we both be curled <laughs> by the vent on the floor. I was gonna but, say that. Stay inside if yeah. I if I can. Generally, you turn the heat on though. <laughs> try to get warm. Layer up. Stay inside. Try to figure it out. I know that because especially for us three, we all either work with or dealt with people who we really, really want to help. And sometimes it seems like they don't want any help. So that becomes very, very frustrating. Other times it's interesting that we live in a country with vast resources where we can't seem to make certain things happen for some people. Even just this week, watching the news, it's a group of people, shout out to my neighbors, in the next county over in Pasco. I wish we had the same energy in Hillsborough County where they're like, hey guys, 
city people, we love you, but y'all tripping. Y'all building way too much, way too fast. So we as a community say we need to put a halt on permitting or allowing people to build these apartment complexes. Like, what are y'all doing? There's not enough space right now for y'all to just be coming through. So as of right now, the county of Pasco has said we are putting a pause on any any permits that had already been signed off on. They can continue as is. But from now up until I think their next meeting in April or May, there will be no new permits added. And I'm just sitting here like, we build new buildings almost every day. No matter where you drive, you see new housing or subdivisions. You see new apartment complexes. You're like, I thought we was rough. I thought people losing jobs. I thought we were struggling financially as a country. Where's like who moving into these places? And you're probably thinking, okay, you get to the expound part. What does that have to do with any of this? In Shreveport, Louisiana, something this week definitely, definitely caught my attention and it definitely broke my heart. Hope House, a shelter for the homeless in Shreveport, says that a homeless man died in downtown Shreveport Monday night. The temperatures dropped into the single digits for several hours. The mm. shelter posted social media. I am saddened to post this, but one of our friends who came to Hope House each morning for coffee and attended the monthly Bible study froze to death last night around 10.30 p.m. He was found in a sitting position, slumped over against a brick wall of a business downtown. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never been homeless. Also in a good position where, um, and I say I'm in a good position, but I think if it would have ever happened, I have some good family and friends that I probably could find a way to dive into some space with them. Now I know some people say, well, that's probably their fault, or that's probably this person's fault, or that's this and the third. But I just think of all the resources that we have in this country. Where is our lovely government in moments like this? Like, I feel like it's certain things that shouldn't happen in our country. People shouldn't be homeless and people shouldn't go hungry. I know some of y'all get real, real upset and irate at people take advantage of the system. But it's also interesting that some of you same people don't get upset at the people who take advantage of the system via the tax codes they wrote themselves. It's also frustrating that you worry about what somebody else is spending in income tax or what they're doing with their food stamps or what they're doing with this, that, and the third. But you don't keep that same energy that people like Jeff Bezos or Warren Buffett pays no taxes. And they find a way to say, look at all the people that we hire or all the people we employ and they're paying taxes on our behalf. That's just the most corrupted thing that I can think of within our world. So for me, it's very, very frustrating. And it's one of those things that I'm like, we have to do better people, whether it's you as an individual bringing attention to homelessness, whether you as an individual supporting agencies or nonprofit organizations that provide services to the homeless or residentially challenged community, or you finding a way to just connect with them, to hear their stories. It takes me back to about 2015, 2016. I was with a group of young people. We had actually just left a amazing Christmas carol concert. Um, I was working in Port Charlotte at the time and we saw a homeless guy sitting down or whatnot. And one of the team says, EB, can we give him money? And I'm just like, I don't wanna get his damn money. I'm trying to get back home. I ain't even wanna come to this Christmas concert. Y'all the one who wanted to come because y'all wanted to see y'all friends. So in that moment, I was like, how do I regroup or refresh myself? So what did I do? I said, he was on the passenger side. I said, ask him, do he want to come eat with us at Steak and Shake? Because I was like, let us eat now. I can gas up and we don't have to make no more stops mm. on the way home. So we sat down with this man, ate with him, ended up the kids. And this is the young people. Shout out to Nathan, Jessica, Jock, Tracy and them, who ended up putting their money together, getting him a $50 gift card to, to Steak and Shake. But then we started hearing his story of how he made a mistake. His wife left him. Well, he said, I made a few mistakes, but the last straw was basically was inappropriate in a sense with another person who was not his wife. And then that led him to basically a divorce, losing his house, losing his whip, losing a place to work. And he's basically been that way for the past seven or eight years. And he just never found a way to get it back together. But a lot of these people are dealing with real life situations where it's not always drugs or it's not always just a bad gamble or this or that. It's just life happens. And if anything, we can know that within the past year now, just about the year of this pandemic has impacted a lot of people in a lot of different ways. I don't know the story of this man who was homeless, but it definitely is scary to me that a person can freeze to death with all the empty or abandoned houses that we have the free market that we have, we want to turn power on for everybody outside of, of course, the extenuating circumstances that we see in places like Texas or in parts of Nevada or in other places where, or Arkansas, Oklahoma area where 
pipes are freezing over and there's no hot water and there's no water at all. There's no power because power grids are frozen and, you know, all of those things. I understand those. But it's some people in your community right now where there is no cold weather and you're not doing anything to help or connect with them. So just think about those people. Of course, we can do the easy thing to pray for those people. What some of those people want is somebody to just listen to them and have a conversation. But a lot of times what we do, because we're so busy and we're so ready to do our own thing, that we just ignore them. And I'm not sure that that's how the kingdom goes. But if that's how you want to live, do you. Be great. You're going to hear those words. Depart from me. I never knew you. You better not. I'm just saying. That's going to be my new phrase for the rest of 2021. Well, in that vein, then, don't do you. Because it's not great. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> Do you do great, but also depart from me, Evie? You're killing. You're killing. To know that that's how a person went out, that just sucks. It's um, terrible. What we recommended for the people today. I'm sorry for the people who don't have Netflix or any streaming services. I'm not going to encourage you to illegally watch something on the internet. I'll just say, I've heard there are ways. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this show I've heard about, it has five seasons. It is a crime show, so if you're not into crime things, you can go ahead and check out. I'm into stuff like that just because I'm always curious as to why people make certain decisions. And I feel like people are so layered in shades of gray. Not 50 shades of gray, I'm not suggesting that. Never seen it, not hopping on that train. But <laughs> the reasons why people turn to crime and all that is kind of interesting to me and I like understanding it. This show is set in New Mexico and it follows a meek high school chemistry teacher who transform into who transforms into a ruthless player in the local drug trade, driven by a desire to financially provide for his family after being diagnosed with terminal lung cancer. I started to watch it because I was running out of shows and I've always heard the show is really good. It has like 16 Emmys. You guys, when I tell you me and Doug have nothing else to do but watch this show. You know how I usually I'm in bed by nine, but usually we've been up to like 11 binge watching Breaking Bad. I love this show. All the characters are so rich and it's just interesting to see how they all kind of spiral down the different paths and somebody you might think is a really bad person like one of the I guess criminals in the show I feel like he has the biggest heart and I'm like honestly if he had just kept doing his like low-key petty crime on the side he probably would have had a good life and one of the people you might think you would feel the sorriest for you're like oh my gosh this person's just such a nasty person and they're toxic anyway it's such a good show so check out Breaking Bad on Netflix. Although I'm pretty sure you can watch it in other places as well. My brother loved that show. He got my mother into that show. They both loved Breaking Bad, but I, I have not watched it myself. Recommending something else on Netflix. I don't think I've recommended it here. I've recommended it to Sabrina and she enjoyed it. Sweet Magnolia. I love Sweet Magnolia on Netflix. So EB, you watch Sweet Magnolia? No, but I heard of it. It's good. Okay, well, I... He was not in his head, so I was like, uh-oh, E.B. on the Sweet Magnolia. So good. I literally watched it in one day. Thinking about running it back again, because I need that in my life right now. So Sweet Magnolia is my recommendation. For some of you, probably would be a little, I won't say too late, but by the time you probably listen to this, it would have already passed. It's not on Netflix. It's not on Hulu. But I'm pretty sure the Googles will be able to help you, YouTube, or even its official site of PBS.org. I am telling you guys mm -hmm. to watch The Black Church. I watched I mean, two hours straight last night, and it was probably the best thing I've seen on TV since January 1st. Wow. And that's including the inauguration. That's including the mm. terrorist attack that we saw at the Capitol. That's including Amanda Gorman in her spoken word or poem, as some of mm. you say. I mean, this thing brought me back to just a new place. And so if you go to PBS.org, you will see it has episode one and two. And by the time this comes out, you'll probably see it says episode three or four you know, or whatnot. And when I mean it takes you to church and you will learn some stuff, I'm just going to say this. I'm confident that you will learn some stuff that you did not know about our culture. Some people are like, like what? I did not know up until yesterday that HBCUs were originally started to be seminaries. And that is why no, I didn't either. foundational peace. And you know what usually happens when a group of black people get together. You don't have church. Just <laughs> I thought you were going in a different direction. I'm sorry. I'm about, 
I'm about to. I'm about to. But you have what she just said. Yeah. And for some people, it's booty, booty, booty rocking everywhere. And I don't even know if y'all probably heard that, but that's what Sabrina said because she was kind of. Oh, Lord. But what happened was some people in a sense, which we sometimes even see within the church today, no matter what church you're part of. um, And I'm saying different parts of church because I speak to different people of different congregations or different backgrounds where some of the leaders have somewhat of the same core beliefs, but they have fundamental values of how to make those things come about. So a group of leaders started to differ of what they thought about that. And then that, you know, tweaked people into going, well, let's just stay focused on God and let him be every, everything that, you know, let him build us up. And then other people was like, no, they need to be educated. And if they're not educated or they don't have a degree, they shouldn't be leading. And it was interesting that this played out. And one of the things I knew, I, I had a feeling, but I didn't know, no, but like in the Methodist type line, so to speak, you had a lot of people who was like, in the AME, I would say, you had a lot of people like, you got to have your education. But in the Baptist, it was like, you just got to know the word. If you know the word, you're good to go. And it was interesting because somebody that one of my supervisors or my supervisor always talked about, George Whitfield, it talks about how he played a role in engaging the African-American community. And it talks about a lot of their culture. So please, 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 pbs.org, the Black Church Henry Lewis Gates Jr. is the GOAT. He always comes out with great things. I know I recommended a while ago for you guys finding your, your roots or whatnot, but it's like that same guy, and he digs deep, and I just appreciate him for his wealth of knowledge and him connecting to people about this thing. So please, please, please check it out. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Jan, our friend, recommended it. My mother-in-law was recommending it. I really want to see it, and I'm excited now. Like, I mean, it's dope. It was like, I'm going to keep it real. Some days I was sitting up like a little bit after yesterday's episode. I was like, I like my church, but I might have to go to my people's. <laughs> like, okay. my people's yeah. who own it. I almost did a back in the day about the United Methodist Church in D.C. So maybe next week. And I was going to talk about just our church culture. So I got to dive in mm-hmm. so I can do that. Definitely, definitely. I'm pretty sure you're going to enjoy to have a wealth of information to come share with the people. We hope you enjoyed this episode of us talking about Black History Month, but we want you to know that Black History Month, it doesn't get constricted to this one episode that you're listening to, or it definitely don't get constricted to the one week throughout the year where you might hear a lot of information about it, or even the 28 days within this month, or the stories that maybe your kids or grandkids or the stuff that you see via social media about MLK or Rosa Parks or Maya Angelou, or just the five or six names that you know. It's something that we're going to celebrate 365 days out of the year, 366 when it's a leap year. And you will always get this energy about our history because this is God's history. We are created in his image. And whether you like it or not, that is what we're going to deal with. And I'm going to close on one of the quotes that I heard yesterday. I'm still doing normal stuff. But one of the quotes that I heard yesterday, because I know some people be listening or some people be sharing it. But this is one of the quotes from the special. Dear Christian white supremacists, your savior is a dark-skinned Jewish man from the Middle East who spoke Aramaic. His mom was Jewish too. So you better hope you deal with it because as much as you like that little picture on the wall, I'm telling you, that ain't what he looked like. His hair ain't that blonde, golden-looking color either. That ain't what my Bible say. As always, if you down with the squad, subscribe, share it with your people, and remember, if life tries to knock you down, make sure you kick back.